Hello and welcome to Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. It's a special report. It's <laughs> Newspapers are a thing and we're going to talk about them today. Hi, I'm Ben. I'm Danielle. Do you still watch the news or is it too scary? I watched the tech news with your host, Riley Murdoch. Oh, or and James that Alex. Oh my goodness. If y'all haven't checked out Alex off of Linus Tech Tips, you are not treating yourself right. What are we talking about again? Newspapers. Ah, yes. The best and onlyest way to consume news. Some of us might have some memories of our fathers or maybe grandfathers sitting at a breakfast table with the Sunday paper and a cup of coffee. My dad did not read newspapers, but he was a big fan of the Weather Channel. I do remember going to my grandpa's house and there was almost always a paper on the table. I don't remember seeing him actually read it, but it was always there and I enjoyed flipping through to find the comics. It was like the cartoon channel of the newspaper. It was it was really the only section I felt draw me. The funnies, we called them. As a kid, I felt like that bit was meant for me. Comic strips. I know there are some younger people who listen to our podcast, and they probably won't know about this, this uh, form of entertainment, but you could go out and buy books that were full of comic strips. From newspapers? Kind of. It was like, it, it was a print from the creator of the strip, so they would release a book and it would be like in full color and like the print quality was way higher than the newspaper and it was just a giant collection of their comics. We had Garfield ones. We had a Zitz one. I don't know if you remember Zitz. That was one of the one of the comics in the newspaper. Did they have a lot of Zitz? Not usually, no. But it was like followed teenagers. So comic strips were introduced to newspapers in 1896, by the way. It was called The Yellow Kid, and people really loved it. His image was put on a various things like cigarette cartons and fans and stuff like that. I am not sure exactly what the comics were about, but it was a little boy from the New York ghetto who had a freshly buzzed head, presumably from maybe having head lice, and his shirt would have a peculiar slang printed on it. It was kind of weird, but it was the first of its kind, so there wasn't anything to compare it to. Believe it or not, there was a time before newspapers, so how did news get spread around before the internet, CNN, or even newspapers? The radio. Before the radio. Yelling at each other through the windows. Word of mouth, yes. Which, as you can imagine, was not a fast mode of transit. I even read where ballads were a popular way of distributing information. In the book Outlander, she loses her her guy, her man, and so she goes from town to town singing, and they find each other through her singing. That's pretty dumb. <laughs> hey, there's a lot of Outlander fans out there. So there would be a written decree, and that would be read in public by the few who could read, and from there, all of the listeners would spread it to friends and neighbors who hadn't been at the public reading. But this isn't always how it went. Sometimes travelers would come and tell the towns about other towns they had visited, like how many people were in that town. I have to assume it was a rough estimate and they didn't count each citizen. 
Or maybe what the fashion was in the town they had that they, they had just left. You ever see in old movies where someone rushes out of the castle on a horse with a message? Mm-hmm. That's the news. Obviously, this led to some fake news, whether it was malicious or accidental. There were some selfish reasons one might spread fake news, but there was also some simple miscommunications. Word of mouth has a way of small details getting changed, which eventually makes big differences in the information that was getting passed along. That by the time it reaches the last few people, the story might have some major differences than when it started out. The telephone game, they call it. Unfortunately, literacy created this class of people who were able to control the narrative and manipulate the ones who depended on them for new information. It was seen as a secret that you either knew or didn't know. We see it again in translations. The Bible is a prime example of this. Most of us can read, but I can't read Hebrew. So yet again, I'm depending on another person to give a non-biased translation of the material that I want to consume. And unfortunately, humans love taking advantage of situations like this to push a narrative that is profitable or whatever personal or public campaign they have going on. And I mean this in a broader aspect, not just religious text. Anytime you watch a documentary where they're interviewing people who don't speak a language you understand, you're relying on accurate translation. And I, if I've learned anything from my road to learning German, it's that there are lots of words and phrases that cannot be directly translated. You have to just rely on description using many words to get the essence of what the word or expression means. Thank God for my good friend Felix who helps me with a lot of translations. If you're learning a new language, I highly recommend you find a friend who is from the place you are learning the language of. Not only do they help with the pronunciation, but you get to learn some of the slang from the area, and that is always fun. It's ruined the word mushy for me, but I'm still having fun. So scholars commonly give the ancient Romans credit for publishing the first quote-unquote newspaper in 59 BC. It was called the Acta Diorna, or Daily Doings. There are no surviving copies of it, which is really upsetting because the early ones would have been written on stone tablets, and it's believed that it had things like events, births, deaths, gossip, things that you might find in a newspaper even today. Throughout history, people tend to find the same formula of information interesting. Gossip has always been a big hit with humans. I will once again discuss the case in New York of the guy who yelled profanities at the cop and was ordered by the judge to have his mouth washed out with soap. That's the kind of material your readers need to know. Is that considered gossip? Probably. It's fun, and it usually makes us feel better about ourselves and then subsequently worse about ourselves because we momentarily felt better for a minute over someone else's misfortune. Like hoarders. Like every show on TLC. The Chinese also had an ancient newspaper. It's said to have been created as early as 202 BC. It was known as the Tepeo, and they were handwritten on silk. That is fancy. This is probably why they invented paper. They were like, hey, we're going through our silk too quickly. The silkworms just can't keep up. We've got to find something else to write on. They were palace reports or imperial bulletins. They were more geared towards bureaucrats, Public consumption of news would have been posted up more like a modern poster. Which makes me wonder if the Chinese were better at teaching their citizens to read. 
they were just posting up stuff and expecting that to get around. And it might have also had a little town crier guy. It was BC, though. For some reason, I feel like we were more advanced back then than we were in like 1100, where women were being called whores for using forks. I feel like we talk a lot about the negatives for women in ye olden times. Have we spoken much about Scandinavians during the Viking Age? We have not. They, as a people, treated their women more as equals. Women were more independent and actually had rights within their community. Officially, on rune sticks, they were inferior to men, but Viking women still had more freedom than their counterparts elsewhere in the world at that time. Native Americans were another people that treated their women very well. Probably even better than the Vikings, they maintained control over their independence and their goods even after getting married. There was little bias and violence over their gender. That was just a little tidbit to help balance all the horrible things I feel like we harp on about women. Another ancestor to the newspaper were the Italian Avisi, or Gazettes. Funny enough, Gazette was the name of the coin you purchased the paper with that really stuck because we see Gazette in names of news bulletins and high school newspapers all the time. And now it's taking on a new meaning. No one ever thinks about the coin Gazette, but they think, oh yeah, that sounds like news. There are a lot of Gazettes around the country. It was in 1566. They were handwritten and they featured politics of the time and military conflicts. That was a lot of the news back then was military conflicts, news about the loss of war or the winning of war. (laughs) Now, I know what you're thinking, but Danielle, I learned in like fourth grade that Gutenberg's printing press was invented in 1440. Why were they still handwriting things when they had a revolutionary movable type press? Because they were very expensive and a lot of work. Probably, but also, things took a long time from the birth of the new invention to the wide usage. Like all things, except smartphones. Those things came out and then everyone had one immediately. I mean, not me, but... My first smartphone was a Blackberry. My first smartphone was a hand-me-down, first-generation iPhone, and only half of the screen worked. Gutenberg was not the first person to invent the printing press. I know this contradicts what Miss Henderson said, but actually the printing press was first invented in China. A Buddhist book from Dunhuang around 868 is the oldest known printed book, which this answers the question I had earlier because China had access to printed word. Mass production was accomplished hundreds of years before the Europeans creating literacy and more well-educated citizens. But their press just didn't make it to the Western world. They had to wait on Gutenberg, and even some time after that, Gutenberg died poor, unfortunately. As they all do. He had to borrow money from Johannes Fust in 1452 in order to fund his project, and this led to Fust foreclosing on him only three years later in 1455. All of Gutenberg's equipment went to Fust and another guy who was Peter Schoffer. He was a former calligrapher? which I feel like that tracks. But before all that mess, Gutenberg printed 180 copies of the Bible, which I believe is his legacy, other than, you know, inventing the press he made, which he made with metal typeface and a press that would have been used for pressing wine. He even formulated his own ink for his type so it would work better. He worked with the viscosity of it. About 21 of Gutenberg's Bibles survive. I'd imagine they are very expensive, but several pieces of the other books are still around, too. They are very precious artifacts. 
Another interesting fact about Peter Schoffer, he was probably technically considered a better typographer than Gutenberg. He was also a better advertiser because he was the first to add colophon, which is all the publishing information that you normally find at the front of a book. He published the Book of Psalms, and 10 copies still exist today with colophon. Germany became a hotbed for publication. If you were a German who knew how to print, you were pretty well welcomed into other European countries. Italy was the next country to take Gutenberg's invention, and by the 1470s, Italians had a pretty good printing business going. German printers went to Paris to set up presses, and librarians chose books to be printed, mostly textbooks for students. Lame. Well, they were just printing religious texts, so, uh, I mean, it's good we're getting a bit of a variety now. Spain and Portugal were next, then England. This is 1476, so we don't have an America yet to spread to, and I don't think the Native Americans had any printing going on. They didn't have written word. Now, that is not saying that all indigenous people didn't have writing. The Mayans and the Aztecs both definitely record have records that prove they had writing. The first newspaper that we would, without a doubt, look at it and immediately know, oh, that's a newspaper, was in 1609, in Germany, of course, by, can you guess, another Johann Carlos. Lots of Johans and variations of that name. By 1641, a newspaper was printed in almost every country. The first newspaper in the United States was established in 1690 and was called Public Occurrences, Both Foreign and Domestic. Catchy. Uh, We can thank Benjamin Harris for it, and, you know, he must have been printing some juicy things because he previously had been working as a newspaper editor in England, and he had to flee to America because he published an article about a Catholic plot against England. Unfortunately, he didn't publish long, as you can imagine. He stopped publishing after just one issue. They shut him down. But another one popped up in 1721, published by none other than James Franklin. Any idea who he's related to? Franklin the Turtle. Benjamin Franklin. He was Benjamin Franklin's brother. Uh, I was wondering why the brother of a fictional turtle character was involved in this story. Um, he printed some criticisms of the smallpox inoculations, and then he accused the government of not properly protecting us from pirates. And then he went to jail, and then he mocked religion and was banned from publishing. So Benjamin ended up taking the paper over. I think he was allowed to publish if he got it pre-approved, but obviously he didn't like that and gave it up altogether. Benjamin Franklin's brother was pretty edgy. (laughs) He was against religion, or I guess he spoke against religion. He didn't like vaccines, so those two things don't go together. And down with the man. And, And he was scared of pirates. What a roller coaster of a man. I can't tell where he's landing politically. (laughs) So this is when newspaper publishing is really considered to have started, but we didn't get true freedom of press until 1791. That's kind of a long time from 1721 to 1791. Government had their fingers in all the newspapers. Well, they're trying to get things to simmer down and not... That's true. They had just taken on a revolutionary war they probably there was some newspapers that were affiliated with loyalists and then there were some newspapers that were affiliated with rebels and i'm sure that there was a lot of controversy that went especially after winning the war and i say winning because i'm an american sorry brits 
Loser. America number one. (laughs) So they were usually printed once a week, and it was one large, single-sided page. The press itself didn't change much for about 300 years, and then we started making them out of iron and printed double-sided papers. The first one made entirely of iron appeared around 1800. Can you imagine how heavy that sucker must have been? From there, we moved on to steam-powered presses. Now they just come out. That probably wasn't sonically pleasing, but... At first, like all things, newspapers were really only available to the wealthy Americans who could afford the subscriptions, which would have been about a week's worth of pay for a general laborer. But that changed in 1830 with the penny press. We know as advancements happen, technology becomes more efficient and cost comes down. Now they were smaller in size, so they weren't the giant ones, but the Sun, which was the first penny paper, sold 15,000 copies over the 4,500 copies that the most popular newspaper sold, which was the New York City Courier and Inquirer. Also, the Sun had a motto that was printed at the top of every page. The object of this paper is to lay before the public at a price within means to everyone all the news of the day. It's a good motto. And at the same time, offer an advantageous medium for advertisements. Said it? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It's very good. They printed that at the top of every page. I hope they had that in big metal letters on the front of their building. Really good motto. But hey, now we don't have to go rummaging through the garbage to find an old paper and figure out what is going on in the world. You know, that must have been a huge boost to morale for regular people to have access to near immediate information. I mean, immediate enough for the time. This stuff just happened days ago, and now I'm hearing about it. Oh, and did I mention we have dailies now? That's the other advantage of advancements. You didn't have to wait a whole week for a newspaper, a new newspaper. Those puppies were printed daily. There were still some weekly ones, but there were daily ones as well. I wonder if there was talk like, what on earth are they going to talk about every day? Do they really think enough happens every day to fill a newspaper? I mean, I was thinking that just now. They just want my money. Now we have 24-7 channel news. And they still don't have anything to talk about. (laughs) (laughs) Grumpy Cat died. The K, that is newsworthy. Didn't he show up on the news when he died? Probably. I don't know. So there was some clickbaity sensationalism rampant in newspapers, just like you see today, in order to sell more copies. With stories focusing on crime, violence, emotional stuff, which was sexy. The New York World was the the example I was given, probably the modern equivalent to BuzzFeed. This type of journalism earned itself a name. It was called yellow journalism, and it's known for misleading stories and exaggerated details. The name yellow journalism is somehow connected to the yellow kid. Across the pond, they call them red tops. The 20th century saw the invention of the radio. Spreading news was now much faster than with the publication of the newspaper. And the the 19th century was probably the golden era for newspapers. 20th too, because new inventions like radios and televisions are expensive. So you have most of the population still relying on newspapers. But the number of daily newspapers decreased from 2,600 in 1909 to 1,279 in 2018. Shocking. Yeah. If I had to guess, it has decreased even more in the last six years. On the other hand, online newspapers are seeing 180 million readers. It's like we mentioned in the internet episode. 
You should go and listen to that. There are still old men and hipsters who really enjoy the feel of a tangible paper, so it's not dead yet. I've noticed that if I'm at work and I spend a bunch of time on my phone, that's bad. But if I pick up a newspaper and start reading it while I'm at work, nobody says anything. What an interesting observation. Good way to pass the time. I don't know. Records came back. Maybe newspapers will, too. There are some pretty sad statistics about Craigslist and Zillow demolishing newspaper classifieds and Google and Facebook hogging the majority of retail advertising dollars that newspapers still relied pretty heavily on. And the 2008 recession sped up the downward spiral of the newspaper industry. But we aren't going to get too deep into the sad degradation of print media. Maybe it's a good thing. Newspapers are kind of wasteful. That's a lot of paper you're throwing away once you're done reading it. Some of it was repurposed, I assume, but that's a lot of paper being produced, and I didn't read about any efforts towards recycling them. I think newspaper was one of the most recycled materials, and I am pretty sure the reason they're all gray in color is because they are made out of some amount of recycled paper. Oh, okay. But at least they weren't plastic. Could you imagine plastic sheets of printed news? Can't wash your windows with that. If newspaper would have remained as popular as it did, that would have been the next logical step. Maybe getting your news from the internet is best, even though it feels like we are losing a huge piece of human culture. As long as you get your internet news from reputable sources. Like BuzzFeed! Precisely. This episode is sponsored by BuzzFeed. And the New York Post. It's got New York in it. And the Times-Picayune. The Times-Picayune. The Times-Picayune was a local newspaper in our town. That's all I got. And the rest is yesterday's news. Do you have any PSAs? Do I have PSAs? Um, Maybe just don't consume news at all. You'll probably be a better, happier person. That's like my top one that I have. Maybe don't watch CNN every second of every day. Maybe don't put too much stock in one news channel over another. The truth is going to be somewhere in the middle. And on that topic of the truth, the truth is out there and we can find it. Don't be discouraged by the oversaturation of information. Fake news. There are still some people who want to spread accurate, peer-reviewed information. You just have to seek them out. Hopefully all the information in this episode was accurate. If you know of any information or figures that were super wrong, let us know. Also, do you still read the newspaper? Have you ever read a newspaper? That's probably a good question. Every once in a while, I'll walk into some restaurant or something that has those newspaper boxes outside, and they're completely empty, and they look like they haven't been touched in a thousand years. Makes me makes me sad a little bit. I want my ashes put in an urn and then placed in a newspaper box. Okay. I guess that'd make a pretty good display case. <laughs> What I want to know is, hey, so most of those newspaper boxes you have to put coins in? Mm -hmm. It's a whole dollar. It's a whole dollar in coins. Who was carrying a dollar in coins? No one has a dollar in coins. We need to put credit card slider things on these things and maybe people would buy them. Well, they didn't need to because they put credit card slider things on their websites. With a nice, convenient PayPal option. We updated vending machines, okay? Why why are the newspaper dispenser things still so behind the times? Mm. 
Thank you for tuning in to this special report of Thingamajigs, the exciting history of mundane things. I am your anchor, Ben. And I'm Danielle. Don't forget to grab a goose. And your computer, because that's where we're getting news from now. Thanks for listening. Nah, go! Forgive me by you, look for me, girl.